Thank you, Jesus, that we just saw a demonstration on the outside of something real that's happened on the inside. God, we thank you for new life. We thank you, Lord God, that the old is gone, that the new has come, that it can't be touched, it can't be changed, it can't be taken away. What you did was once and for all, forever. And Lord God, we live as new creations, as sons and daughters of the Most High God forever because of your sacrifice, because of everything you've done. And we just praise you and thank you for it, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, we are uh, continuing on our message series, The Path of the Exiles, and the text that we have today uh, in 1 Peter actually talks about baptism. So it's appropriate to be doing this today because we are going to be taking a deeper dive into baptism. We're going to take a plunge into this subject. We're going to fully immerse ourselves in the... Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, When when Sarah and I were in Arkansas, um, serving at a church down there years back, uh, we had a baptism time and there was this uh, brother and sister... Uh, these kids that were getting baptized. And before the baptism took place, the pastor was describing, this is what's going to happen. You're going to go into the water and your old life and all your sin and the bad things that you've done will stay in the water, but you'll come out a new creation, all clean and, and, uh, and, and a new life in Jesus. And the little girl said, do I have to go after my brother? I said, yeah. She said, that water's going to be filthy. I remember when I was baptized really clearly because it wasn't in a climate-controlled room with water that had a, uh, a heater in it. It was in someone's backyard swimming pool on an October evening. And so we just froze our tails off. But that helped it stick in my mind. But it also stuck in my mind because baptism is an incredibly significant thing. It's an incredibly important thing. And um, today, I want us to take a look at what baptism is and why we do that. And I want us to just find all of our information from here, okay? Um, Because depending on what background you come from, depending on what church you were raised in, um, you may have different views of what baptism is, why we do it, what it means, what happens when you do it. And I want to show you uh, what, where Journey Church stands on it. But I also just want, really, Journey Church or not, I want us to take a look at what the Bible says about baptism and why it's more than just a symbolic act. It's more than just uh, a church ritual or practice, that there's something very, very significant that goes on when you get baptized. And by the way, when I say baptized, you, you, but you've probably heard at one point Pastor Sean teaching on the three baptisms. You know, you're baptized in Jesus, you're baptized in water, you're baptized in the Holy Spirit. For the sake of our talk today, when I say baptism, I'm talking about water baptism. So let's pick up where we left off in 1 Peter chapter 3. Um, and verse 18. So 1 Peter 3, 18. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit, 
in which he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison because they formerly did not obey when God's patience waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is, eight persons, were brought safely through the water. Baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you, not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, and powers having been subjected to him. So baptism is something that is extremely significant, extremely important, it's a key, crucial part of your life in Jesus. It's, it's not, uh, you know, whether or not you took a certain class or you did a certain thing. It's, it's a key component to your life in Jesus. In, in fact, it's something Jesus actually commands us to do. You, you, most of you are familiar with what we call the Great Commission, right? So Matthew 28, 19 says, Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And so Jesus puts this as a part of his commission to us that you are to go and make disciples. This is what, as I, you know, I'm leaving this world and I'm giving you one job. Go make disciples. And as you make disciples, baptize them. And so we can logically pull from that that as we are becoming disciples of Jesus, we are baptized. So we're making disciples and baptizing them. We're becoming disciples, and then we are baptized. So this is a, this is a, a command of Jesus. So why is it such a big deal? Why is it more than just a symbolic act, a Sunday ritual, something like that? Can't we just come up here and pray a prayer and call it good? Why, why, why is there more? So these are questions um, that I want to kind of look at, but these questions kind of can result at times in some Christians never getting baptized because there's an uncertainty. Why do I need to do this? Is this, what's the re- is this something that I have to do? Is it an option? And so I think there's a couple reasons why there are Christians, there are people who follow Jesus that have not been baptized yet. And I want to take a look at what I think are the two main ones. The first one is they just simply don't understand the importance of baptism. They just don't know. They've never been told. They've never seen that. They've never picked up on how significant and how important it is. And I hope that we can clear that up today. And then the second reason is they may belong to a tradition of infant baptism. In other words, they may have come from a church background or a tradition or a doctrine that practices infant baptism. So that if you were to say, have you been baptized? They would say, yeah, I was baptized. I mean, when I was six months old, I was baptized. But infant baptism is not a practice that's found in here. Um, Sprinkling is another form of Baptism you might find in some churches, we know, where there's like a bowl of water and somebody sprinkles water on your head. You don't see that in here. So I want to kind of look at, and, and we're going to kind of teach a little bit here just for a second. 
But I want, to, I want to look at the reasons why we have these different forms or practices of baptism in different churches. And I want to give you the reasons why we do it this way here. So there are basically two views of baptism, depending on the church background you come from. Uh, one view would be to view baptism, and I and I, I I want to I want to clarify this before I outline these two things. This is not so simple of a thing that it's just black and white, that it's either door number one or door number two. It's more like a range or a spectrum, with extremes on both ends. Okay. And so I don't, because baptism is a mysterious thing. It's a spiritual thing. What we just saw happen, what we, really what we participated in with these people, is a very deep thing. That what happened physically was just on the surface. Something very significant and deep happened. It's a kind of a mysterious thing. And so I don't want to, simp, to simplify this down so far that we undercut the depth and really the importance of it. So... Anyways, we've got two basic views of baptism, depending on your church background. The first view is to view baptism as a sacrament, a sacrament, okay? So if you look at baptism as a sacrament, then you're looking at it as this is something that God is doing, and my role in it is passive, and uh, it, it's, it, there's nothing we can do. God is imparting grace. And this is why some churches baptize infants. Because if you're not doing anything, if you have really no part to play in this practice, then why not baptize an infant? It shouldn't make any difference if it's all God doing something and we don't have a role or a part or a response in the practice, then of course, why not baptize? It, it shouldn't matter. And so if you look at it as a sacrament, then it's God doing basically everything, us doing nothing. Now, I told you there's two extremes, okay? The other end of the spectrum, or the other way of looking at baptism, is to look at it as an ordinance, okay? If you look at baptism as an ordinance, it is a demonstration of one's faith. Okay, so it's us responding to, what, to something God has done. Now that's why when, and by the way, that's what, that's the stance that Journey Church takes. We're more on that end of the spectrum. Um, But I say that it's not just black or white because I do believe God is doing something in this. I don't believe it's just a show. I don't believe it's just like coming up and saying, just to let you know, I'm following Jesus. I think there's more going on there. But we do see it more as an ordinance. That's why when each person came up, Tom said, uh, do you follow Jesus? Is Jesus your Lord and Savior? Are you going to follow him all of your life? Because that person is making a statement, this is something I've done. I've responded to Jesus. Jesus has saved me. There's new life inside me. And as a response to that, I'm demonstrating my faith. And so we see baptism more as a response to something God has done. So you may come from a background that teaches 
um, that salvation is found in the sacraments of the church and baptism gives you access to that. But, you know, again, I really just want to get back to what this book says. And so Ephesians 2.8 says, By grace you've been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing, it's the gift of God. So we look at that as our foundation. You may come from a background that teaches... Um, there's, there's varieties of how this all works. But there are some churches that teach that infants must be baptized. Because if infants are not baptized and they die, then they go to a place called the limbo of the innocents where they live in natural bliss, but they never experience the presence of God. That's taught in some places. But it's not in here, right? So infant baptism is not in here, and sprinkling is not in here. And if it's not in here, then we don't want to build a doctrine around it. And so that's what I want to kind of look at today. So a question you might have is, okay, so I hear what you're saying, if I was then, if I was baptized as an infant, should I be baptized again? It's a very simple answer. Yes. Yes. Because according to the Bible, you have not yet been baptized the first time. And so, yes, you should be baptized again. So let's look at uh, what baptism is. What is baptism? Um, it's very simple. Uh, the baptism we get from the word baptizo. It's a word that occurs 22 times in the New Testament, and it means very simply to immerse or to submerge. To immerse or to submerge, which is why we don't sprinkle. We go all the way under. I was telling everybody, I was telling the people that are being baptized this morning, it's like, we just put you under the water, and when the bubbles stop, we bring you back up. <laughs> no, that's not what we do. But we, we immerse, we submerge. It's not because that's our style. It's because that's what the word means. It means to immerse, to submerge. And we're all about that. Some churches are really excited about it. And you may have seen this video. It's gone viral. But it's a real short video. I want to show you a church that's really excited about immersing and submerging people. Let's go ahead and show that video. Yeah, I'm going to try to talk Tom into doing it that way the next service. So I don't know, you might want to stick around. <laughs> so that's what baptism is. It's immersing. It's submerging. It's going under the water. Uh, so what's the purpose of baptism? If, if that's what it is, what's the purpose? Why do we do this? It's a public declaration. Uh, it's an illustration of what has happened to you in Jesus. It's a physical picture of a spiritual reality, and it's symbolic of Jesus' death and resurrection. So it's a declaration, it's an illustration, it's a picture, and it's a symbol. Um, Romans 6, 1, 4 says this, 
What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. We believe that when you are baptized, you are baptized and you, are, you die to all those things that you've done before Jesus. And we believe that you also die to all those things that were done to you. In other words, you are baptized and you come up new. It's, it's a picture of the newness that's already happened in you. And it's, it's like I said, this is a mysterious and a very deep thing. But there's something symbolic but also prophetic that happens in baptism. Colossians 2.12 says, Having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. Like I say, it's not just symbolic. It's also prophetic. So if you go back and look at our text, where we're at right now in 1 Peter, I want to look at the, the, the last two verses of that text, but I want to read it from the Passion Translation because it's a really interesting commentary on what we're talking about. Verse 21 says, This was a prophetic picture of the immersion that now saves you. Not a bathing of the physical body, but rather the response of a good conscience before God. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who is now in heaven at the place of supreme authority next to God, the very powers of heaven, including every angel and authority, now yield in submission to him. This was a prophetic picture of the immersion that now saves you. So the question is, do you have to be baptized to be saved? That's usually the big question. Do you have to be baptized to be saved? Well... That stance sometimes is referred to as baptismal salvation, the idea that you must be baptized in order to be saved. And the people that teach that usually will refer to Mark 16, 16. And Mark 16, 16 says this, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. So, the key there is believing, not baptism. Believing, not baptism. So we are baptized because we are saved, not in order to be saved. So this act does not save you. Going under that water is not what saves you. The blood of Jesus saves you. But, you, but we do this because we are saved. Not in order to be saved. In other words, baptism does not save you. It just demonstrates your willingness to obey Jesus. Baptism doesn't save you. It just demonstrates your willingness to obey Jesus. Uh, Peter is preaching the gospel in the book of Acts to a bunch of people. And they respond to it. So Acts 2.37 says, Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter... And the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of sins. Now jump down to verse 41. It says, so those who received his word were baptized, 
and these were added that day about 3,000 souls. So what happened? They received the word, and they were baptized. 3,000 were saved, 3,000 were baptized. Acts 8.12 says this, But when they believed Philip as he preached good news about the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. What happened? They believed, then they were baptized. You believe, and you're baptized. You get saved, you're baptized. Acts 16, verse 30 says, it's talking, it's the story of the Philippian jailer, right? So this whole drama unfolds, you know, where the, the doors open and, and, and long story short, the Philippian jailer says, what must I do to be saved? And then it says that that very night, he and his family were saved and baptized in the middle of the night, saved and baptized. So you get saved you get baptized. So it's not what you do to become a Christian. It's what you do because you are a Christian. It's, it's very simple. So in other words, do I have to do that to get saved? No. But if you're saved, why would you not want to do that? In other words, let me put it to you this way. Baptism is you demonstrating and proclaiming to anybody that can see something has happened inside me. Something is new inside me. There is new life in here. You, you don't understand. I can't even put into words what's happened. And so if you don't have a desire to want to do that, at the very least, you should stop and examine your heart and ask yourself, why would I not want to do that? Because it's something that is a natural response for anybody who has new life in Jesus. So no, it does not save you. It's not your ticket you punch to go to heaven. But it is something that people who are saved do. Um, so let's get back to those two reasons uh, why a Christian may not have been baptized. And uh, I'm actually going to have the band come, out, come on back up because we're going to transition into some worship here at the end. But remember, we talked about two reasons why a Christian may not be baptized. The first reason is they just don't understand the importance of baptism. They just don't get it. And so my hope is that after just a little bit of looking at what the Bible says, that's a little more clear now. But then the other reason someone might not be baptized is they believe that they've already been baptized. So they, they've, been a, they've, they've, they've taken part in a practice that is called baptism. It's just not the baptism that this book talks about. And so that might be a reason why someone hasn't done it. If you fall into one of those two categories and you haven't been baptized yet, I really want to encourage you to think about this and pray about this. And this is something that we're going to do more often um, because we are seeing a lot of people come to Jesus this year. We actually have a word from God that this is going to be a year where a lot of people are coming into the kingdom of God, coming into the family of God. And so we have different things that we have in place to be able to respond to that. So 
Baptism is not what saves you. It's not what brings you into God's family. But baptism is our response to God's saving grace. So we do, the Bible says that we believe in our hearts that Jesus is Lord. But we also make an outward confession. And baptism is definitely and surely a part of that outward confession. But before there can be an outward confession, there has to be a change and new life come into your heart. And so if that hasn't happened yet, then the Bible says that today is the day of salvation. There's no need to put it off. There's no need to wait. There's no need to go home and think it over. I want you to just think about how Jesus had an amount of love for us that we really aren't even able to comprehend. We just can't. There's just no way. What he did for us is just amazing. It's amazing. And I pray that none of us ever get so familiar with it that we become calloused to how amazing it is. The thing that blows me away a lot is is when I think about there's so many people that don't believe that they have value. There's so many people that struggle with I'm no good. I'm, I'm just not, I'm worthless. Somebody, you know, when you were a child, somebody told you you were, weren't worth anything. You were never going to amount to anything. That's a very common thing that people struggle with. But when I start thinking about how the value of anything is simply determined by the price someone's willing to pay for it. That's what determines value. It's not, value isn't determined by opinion. It's determined by the price someone is willing to pay for it. And I want you to think about the price that was paid for you. The highest price imaginable. The life of the Son of God was the price that was paid for you. That's the depths, that's the lengths that God was willing to go to make a way for you to come into his family, to be his son, to be his daughter. And the Bible says that we don't come to God unless he first calls us. And so what I want to do right now with every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to pray for you. Father, right now in the name of Jesus, I pray that by your spirit now in this room, you would move on these people. Lord, that you would reveal your love to these people. And those who are in this room, who do not yet know you. I pray, Lord, that you make yourself known right now. Reveal your love to these people, God. Call them, Lord. Call them, Lord. Show them the incredible need for you.
Just listen to the voice of the Lord speaking to you right now. Jesus, we love you so much. We love you because you first loved us. Your love never fades, it never fails, it never goes away, it never changes. There's nothing that we can do to make you love us anymore. There's nothing we can do to make you love us any less. It's not based on our goodness. It's not based on our works. Your love is perfect, complete, inassailable, impenetrable, never changes. There's nothing that separates us from your love. We're in awe of your love, Lord God. Thank you, Lord. Now, with every head bowed and eye closed, I want to lead you in a prayer. As I say this, just repeat this after me. Jesus, I want you and I need you. Forgive me of all my sin. I repent and turn away from it. I will follow you now. Fill me with your spirit, power, and love. I surrender all. I want to know you. Thank you, Jesus. Now, again, with heads bowed and eyes closed, listen, if you just prayed that prayer for the first time and you felt God drawing you to himself, well, nobody's looking around. Would you just raise your hand so I could see it real quick? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Father, thank you, God, for moving in this place, for calling people to yourself. Lord, as we come into your presence right now to worship you, call us out onto the waters, Lord God, to a place of deeper trust, deeper relationship knowing you more than ever before. In Jesus' name.